Hello, I am Lucia Giftapulu, a reporter for Wealth Manager here at CityWire, and I'm joined today by Jupiter Fund Management CEO, Andrew Formica. Um, Andrew, so you have been in the job for seven months now. Uh, you took over in March when Martin Seldenbrook uh, stepped down. And I think it's undeniable that you're a very well-regarded industry figure with a reputation as, as quite the deal maker. So I'm wondering, does having this kind of experience and, and reputation make it any easier to start a new job as a CEO in a new company? Or is it more like walking in, in your first ever job for the first day? Uh, thank you and glad to be here. I think the, to your question on what's it feel like um, given past experiences and, and past jobs I've done, uh, I think in, in some way it's easier having had the experience of being a CEO for 10 years in this space. Um, a lot of the challenges or the issues that Jupiter will have to face are ones that I've been dealing with and, and um, addressing in previous roles. To the point around people saying that M&A or deals have been a, a critical component of what I did at, at my previous uh, business. I think that's probably unhelpful, um, if I'm honest, because each firm and the leadership role you play as a CEO really should relate to the firm's own needs and requirements and extrapolating what was right or necessary in one organization to a new organization is, is not always um, the easiest or, or the correct thing to do. I mean, I can't also can't help but notice that that Phil Wagstaff joined you from uh, Janice Henderson when you were you were previously the CEO, just after a few, a few months after you you took over. Is that something that makes life a bit easier having somebody you work with and uh, whom you can trust, just managing your sales team and and being in the same space? Really, does this does this make things any easier? Absolutely. Um, there were two. Two critical hires uh, when I joined um, that have made it me easier for me personally to settle in. You mentioned Phil, who I've worked with for probably about six years at, um, actually for seven years at, at, at um, Henderson and then Janice Henderson. Um, so we've worked very well together. We know each other well. Um, he's a strong challenge against me and uh, he doesn't let me have an easy ride. But also we both know what we can get from each other and therefore it resolves some of those sort of tensions that would otherwise happen. I was also very, very um, pleased to be able to have my PA, Elaine Lewis, come over and join. The unsung and, hero of Jupiter, uh, <laughs> having, having someone uh, behind, working side by side with you who knows how you operate and can help navigate the systems made a massive difference. So those two in particular have made it easy for me to settle in. And also I think for the organisation gives some other people that they can talk to about what I might, you know, a lot of people try and interpret your words, what you're saying. I'm quite a straight speaker. What I say, I do. People don't need to sit there and second guess, but it's always second human nature to think, is there something behind that? So I think having some people who've worked with me before to reassure people what I said is what I mean, what I'll do, uh, I think it's been very helpful as well. And then you have them there to just say, yes, no, this is actually what happens. We've seen it before. Yes, exactly. So, uh, you also, you have accepted and admitted that you had a challenging start at Jupiter with uh, redemptions and a couple of popular fund managers leaving. And as we reported a few days ago, um, Alexander Darwell's exit triggered 1.1 billion of net outflow or has triggered that so far. As a new CEO, how do you deal with this type of situation happening just when you're starting out? Yeah, um, you're right. Uh, you know, you've 
I don't think you can ever choose the ideal time to take on a new job. And as you, as you rightly pointed out, I had a couple of challenges that were specific to Jupiter, notwithstanding the fact that the industry has been a tough industry with Brexit and uh, concerns over fund flows and active versus passive debate. For Jupiter itself, you know, it's the one of its well best known fund managers, Alexander Darwell, probably the largest fund manager in terms of assets that he managed on behalf of our clients, uh, was in a process of stepping back from some of his funds and ultimately led to him leaving and starting his own firm, which we announced just last week. Um, it was known to me that this was a potential um, outcome that could happen. Obviously, it was the first challenge for me was to work with Alexander on the best possible handover to our, to, to the clients um, and doing what we could do. It's not great dealing with those sort of challenges straight out of the gate, but equally, um, sometimes it's best to have all the challenges up front. When I took over at Henderson, it was literally two weeks before um, Lehman's went bust and therefore I had to deal with all the full impact of the financial crisis literally within my first few few weeks, first few months as being a CEO. So actually I think that sort of taught me that dealing with the adversity up front probably positions you better for the long term uh, down the track, even if it feels at the time painful, difficult, wish I didn't have it we'll probably be better for it in the longer term to have dealt with it now. Some, some people make the point that the a CEO's worst nightmare is not being remembered at all and not having an impact, so kind of fading into oblivion. So I, I'm, I'm not sure if you agree with that. I'm, I'm interested no, to God, know. No. <laughs> but, but then having all these things up front and, and dealing with them, you know, hopefully effectively, that would kind of help to, to reduce that, that type of fear. But I'm, I just... I'm interested to know what you think is a CEO's worst, worst nightmare because it might not be the same thing as, well, as some I, others I suggest. I certainly wouldn't say a CEO's worst nightmare is not being remembered. Um, actually, I think some of the, the, the best performing CEOs are the ones who just get on and do their job and the business and its results and the delivery for clients speak for itself. Uh, so I'd like to hope that the that our fund managers, that our brand, that our business, our reputation for what we do for clients is what's remembered, not me as a CEO, um, if I'm honest. You know, the, the, the accolades I get is from success the firm has and what we deliver for clients rather than any personal accolades. So that's certainly not my biggest fear is not being remembered. I'm quite happy to sit in the background. However, you know, when you're running a, a firm particularly... You haven't really done that in your career so far, have <laughs> I try to. I just haven't been successful in standing in the shadows. Um, I think the, the, the thing, what, what's the worst fear is running a, an asset management firm? It's, it's clearly your reputation um, as a business, not, not as an individual, but as a firm. Clients come to us with a, with a huge amount of, um, well, firstly, our desire for us to be successful for them, to help them navigate what they see as challenging financial markets. If they lose confidence in us, if they don't have the respect for us, if we, our reputation for working on behalf of them is eroded, that trust is somehow eroded, that is the worst thing that can happen. Now, it can happen for a number of reasons. It can happen because of poor performance. It could happen because of uh, a bad uh, colleague who's done something like fraudulent or some other aspect. Or it can just come putting the conflicts that are inherent in any business where the client isn't put first and foremost of what we do. At Jupiter, I make sure that absolutely all of those are addressed in the client's favour. It's something I'm absolutely critical about, making sure that the client is everyone's first interest and in everything we do. Because our reputation, it takes years, decades to build, and it can go overnight. 
as we have uh, seen with recent examples. But I'm wondering how you. So what is the pro was that your number one priority when you joined Jupiter or, or was there something else that you wanted to do first? Well, certainly the, the starting point before I joined Jupiter was to make sure that Jupiter's reputation was something that was unblemished. Um, and I was reassured both from you know my own experience with Jupiter, a uh, client I know who would speak very highly of it, and making sure that before I joined, I looked at all the you know, all, all, the, all the regulatory positions, the investments they've made, the governance arrangements, and was satisfied that this was a business that didn't just have a strong reputation externally, had all the building blocks to make sure that was maintained internally. And that was absolutely critical to me. I would not have come to an organization that had a lot of reputational challenges to it, because as, as I said, it takes decades to build, but it only takes moments to lose and very, very hard to rebuild after that. But the asset management industry is, is one that, that has more than, than one big ego in, in there. And I'm sure you have a few of them in Jupiter as you would in any any uh, company. How would you, how do you deal with that? The title and the role obviously instills a level of authority. You never, you never get granted that because you have that title. You have to earn it. You have to earn people's respect. You have to earn people's trust. You can't think just because I've been brought in as the CEO, therefore everyone will follow me and accept everything I say. You have to demonstrate why they should. Um, and I think that's absolutely appropriate. I don't think anyone in a position of power should feel that that's their right. It should always be something they've earned. Uh, within my first uh, month there, over 95% of staff I'd met, um, I tried to set down to small groups of around 20 people where I would sort of talk about my background, talk about some of the questions that I'd had coming up from other sessions like that, to hear from them what they wanted they saw as the biggest challenges, the biggest area they'd want to see. And then I made sure that constantly I would um, feed back to them, what did that lead to? What are we doing? Where are the priorities coming from that? They're not always in agreement with what I'd want to do, but at least I was able to show them why I, I had heard what they'd said and why I'd gone the way it was. Would it be just fund managers or from, from different parts of it's, the business? It's from, you have to deal with every part of the business. The fund managers, uh, you, you mentioned sort of star managers and, and the egos that can come from that. Look, I don't think fund managers necessarily all come out with a strong ego, actually. But, but fund managers, they're, they're, a lot of talented managers, the reason they're talented is they look at problems from different perspectives than a lot of other people do. And what you need to understand is that the really talented managers are really passionate about what they do. And they're quizzical by nature. They're curious. That's their style. Um, and they are challenging. They're challenging companies they invest in and management. So they will challenge you as a new management. But equally, they're looking to hear from you, your thoughts, your views, to evaluate you on the basis of what they would look at the same in the companies they invest in. And so being open, transparent, honest with them actually gets to a really good position with so, them. And your way of dealing with that is just sitting down with everyone or individually or, or in groups, as you said, finding out what it is that that can be done to to have a aligned interests going forward and have you have you find this work so far Ab absolutely um you, you said an aligned interest i think that's that's to me one of the most important priorities of a new ceo is to make sure there's a very clear focus and priorities in the organization so for me it was simply saying it's about our clients everything we do for clients 
that not just investment performance, which is absolutely critical, so how can we improve the investment performance, but equally how can we improve the servicing for them? How can we make sure that any engagement with them, we reduce the time it takes to respond to client needs? How can we make sure that the communication with the clients is in a way that they understand and isn't because based on our jargon or our structure, but on something that resonates to them? Simplifying it to every single person in Jupiter has a role to play in delivering for our clients has made it easier for people to make decisions, to prioritise what they're doing and to shift the focus of where they were to where the most critical areas for us. And that's absolutely what the role of a CEO to do is to, to set those priorities out, explain why that is the priority and then to act as an enabler to make the changes that have to happen in the organisation. So, so have you uh, brought forward any new processes or are you still, you know, halfway through dealing with that i'm just wondering because sitting down with with all sorts of different people whether individually in groups would take you quite some time to do and then there are all these other things that have to be happening in the background for you to to achieve the client-centric result that that you're describing so what stage are we at now uh, we're, we're quite well advanced. Um, you're right a number of changes have to happen the first thing is you have to make sure you've got the management team an executive team around you that can take it forward. Uh, our management team, you mentioned Phil Wagstaff had joined. I've also been joined by Wayne Meppen from um, Schroeder's as the new CFO. Um, Manesh Patel joined me as head of corporate development and strategy. So we've got, we've got a team now, an executive team, that's drawn pretty much 50-50 from uh, old Jupiter with people who've joined in, in, in the more recent past. And every one of those are now on a consistent, similar direction focus and priorities and the the strategy we set the execution and prioritization was set collectively it wasn't me setting it and everyone owning that it was actually all of us coming together to do that Um, we've changed the way we engage in terms of that executive team meets very regularly uh, formally on a weekly basis with very clear it was that not the case before they they met formally only on a monthly basis so they met, met formally weekly we have very clear objectives of what each meeting should be about which we then lead to actions we make sure that anyone who should be in the room for a debate that we're doing is brought into the room. So there's not three or four meetings to come before it comes to our executive and then another three or four meetings afterwards. So really speeding up the decision-making process. Um, Those sort of things were critical to what we're doing. Other changes around our product area was a good example where I don't think we were slick enough uh, or sharp enough on how we develop new products and the focus we brought to it. So we've created under Phil Wagstaff a new uh, strategic product group and that's brought together the senior leadership of the business to make sure that everything we're doing has got the support from the distribution. Phil joins it from distribution, Stephen Pearson as a CIO, I sit on it as a CEO, make, and, and Wayne from the CFO, making sure that the corporate strategy the client strategy and the investment strategy are all lined up before we do anything. And that discipline wasn't there before that. You as a CEO can't deal with everything that's going on. You have to sit there and enable your people to sit there and take that responsibility, have that ownership. Um, so my role is, is, if you think about it, sort of setting the general strategy, the general structure of where people should be focused, but that within that, letting them get on with it. I'm not an expert these days as the CIO. Stephen Pearson is a far better CIO than I ever was, and let him get on and do his job. Phil Wagstaff is a far better, better, I've never run a distribution and sales team. He knows it, so why should I be telling him how to do his job? Wayne Meppham, joining as the CFO, he knows so much about the asset management, 
balance sheet, capital structures from his days at Schroeder's, he doesn't need me to tell him the answers. He needs me to tell him the direction that we need to be looking at building the business and then within that use his experience. So it's very much about letting people have their head. And that's not just at the executive level, that's all the way through the organisation. The whole role of a CEO is to empower everyone in the organisation to deliver to their best potential and that they can achieve not only their professional goals but also their personal goals in the organisation. Because as soon as you limit that, that's when they look to leave. And the strength of our organisation is in our people. And therefore, making sure that people feel that they can make a difference, that they are valued, that they are worthwhile, that is the area you get most out of people. But I imagine that should take some time to actually achieve. It. You, you, you'd be surprised. Um, I, you, you're right. When I took over at Henderson, I used to call it the Henderson treacle. Trying to sit there and get decisions through, people would resist. There's a passive resistance to change. Um, and it took me a long time to break that down. People would say, oh, it's only after I've asked four times would they say, he's probably not going to change his mind, I better do it. So I fully expected to get to Jupiter with that similar level of passive resistance. Here's someone new, an unknown entity coming in with ideas. We've been successful anyway. Why do we need to listen? I didn't find any of that. I found the opposite. I found people willing to say, we need to change. You've got some ideas and some experiences. We've got some. He's listening to me. He's hearing what I'm doing. He's engaging with me. I can understand where he's coming from. He understands where I'm coming from. Let's get on and do that. So actually, I think in the seven months I've been there, we've made further progress than I expected to make because people have been willing and accepting that the direction we're going is the right one for the organisation. How can we define this process? Sorry, this progress in the sense that uh, is it something internal? Or is it something that 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 it's, is visible from the outside? It's, it's totally in? internal <laughs> at this stage, and and that's probably the hardest thing as a CEO is the financial results that you put out really are a historical measure. They reflect decisions made and issues that have been there going back 12 months, 24 months, sometimes even longer. Um, so you can make significant change in an organisation and that's not necessarily evident to your shareholders, to your clients, to the market. Um, so it's hard for me to pinpoint and say to you today that change has happened. I can see it, I can feel it. You can talk to people in the organisation who can say, yeah, there's, there's definitely been progress. What do I look at? The speed of decision making. Are we able to sit there and make those decisions quicker than we were in the past? Well, can you define quick? Um... Uh, decisions these days, and some significant decisions, shouldn't last any more than one meeting. Mm -hmm. um, you know, with the appropriate papers, the appropriate um, analysis being put forward, we can make that within an hour and then be implemented. Um, you know, an example would be our um, CRM system. Before I joined, they'd been talking 12 to 18 months about which CRM system to choose. They'd narrowed it down to two, but they couldn't decide on which one. Within a month of my arrival, we'd chosen Salesforce as the CRM platform. Within six months from that date, it's now implemented up and running in the organization. So the decision-making before that was taking over 12 months to even narrow it down to what to do. Having made that decision and set it as a priority for our business, we're able to implement that and have it affecting our business within six months. And there's many examples like that throughout the organization where Decisions were just slow, bogged down, taking a while to make sure everyone had a, a view of it, but no one was actually taking ownership. Well, that, that sounds like a radical change of process for you know whatever the decision might be. Because, and as they say, decisions are good things usually. Uh, but you're describing a kind of very very lengthy process to 
to get to a point that has been basically taken down to just just a few weeks yeah i I wouldn't say it's radical i'd like to hope it's not radical um i just think it's a a reflection that organizations get into and you you need to sort of reboot them um one of the success factors for jupiter will be its size its ability to be nimble and agile and decision making is right at the heart of that you know, the biggest the biggest thing our big competitors can do is make us play their game, to play to their rules. When we start having matrix um, reporting structures, when we start having decisions that take months and months to be um, impl- uh, to be decided on, and then years to be implemented, we're failing, and we were falling into that trap. So what I was trying to say to the organization is, we know the direction we're going, the strategy's not changing, but we need to improve the way we make a decision. The world is changing fast out there. We see it in technology impacting it. We see the challenges our industry faces. We see the client change, changing patterns. If we aren't moving at pace, then we are failing. It's better for us to make a decision and realize down the track that we could have done something different than to not make any decision at all. Be prepared to make more decisions and close them down if they're wrong. Make sure we're moving forward on multiple fronts rather than being very much methodical, sequential in terms of how we go. And that's a shift. That's not where the organization was. That's been probably the biggest impact I've had in the organization is encouraging them to just move forward, to get to remove the rust that's in the system and to, and to get things moving forward. You mentioned passive resistance before and how you thought that this might be the case because you'd, you'd seen it previously in your career. Would you say that was your biggest fear, if I can uh, call it that, or what you thought the biggest hurdle would be once you, w- when you joined Jupiter? Yeah, I think you're right. Um, it, it was because of past experiences, I was expecting there to be much greater resistance. Um, you know, you, you mentioned at the beginning of this um, uh, discussion, you know, you start a new job, how are you perceived? You know, it's, it's, you've, you've got to win people over. And that's not something that can be guaranteed to be done in a short space of time. It may not be able to be done at all. <laughs> you know, people, the, the people I'm working with were not the people who chose me to be the CEO. So they've got to come through the, well, why did the board get to this position? Is he right? So, you, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of skepticism or just a standing back and wanting to see. So I did expect there to be greater resistance. And I think the, the surprising thing for me was just how how much people were looking for someone to say, that makes sense, I agree, can we make decisions quicker? And if you ask me to make the decision, yep, I'll give you a view and I'll do it. And and for me then supporting them, they felt so empowered. The organization before felt there was many layers of people that would make the decisions and therefore no one made a decision. Changing that uh, overnight has transformed the, the way of the business and it's a cultural fact. You know, the culture didn't allow it before and it's an important part of our culture has to be about making decisions quickly. You remember, we're an active fund manager. We take risk on behalf of our clients with their money. We need to be taking risks within the business. Risk is not a bad thing. It needs to be managed. It needs to be done to thorough, detailed analysis, but done properly. It's actually the cornerstone of success. And you mentioned before how you uh, want to improve performance where, where performance needs to be improved. How, how are you approaching this specific issue? From an investment performance point of view, it's obviously that's that's critical. That is what we deliver for our clients. And the great thing about Jupiter is it's um, 
its breadth of performance is very, very good. You know, I think we've got over 70% of our funds outperforming their the client objectives over a three-year period. That's a fantastic place to be, but that indicates there's some areas where we're not there. Um, in those areas, we've got to work with the managers and Stephen Pearson and his team do a great job understanding the portfolios. Is it a style requirement? So, for example, you know, Ben Whitmore running value equities. Value's been out of favour. Ben's doing very well relative to peer groups who have similar styles, but as a style relative to growth styles, it's out of favor. Um, making sure that communication to clients is really there explaining that, making sure clients know why and what we're doing about it. And so we're spending time on that. But also, what areas can we do to improve performance down the track? So I was really pleased when I joined Jupiter to learn that um, before I joined, they'd started a data science team within the fund management department. Um, and it's a team that was at the time only four. It's grown to six at the moment or continue to grow. And this is a t- com- team committed to looking at all the data that's out there. You know, when I started in the industry, it's, one it's of the advantages... It's necessary these days, isn't it? It's, it is. it's something that has to be implemented across across asset management companies if they're ever going to catch up with And the fund managers the the are actually quite interested to see what's coming out of this. This isn't about replacing the fund managers. It's about new tools to be used by the fund managers to identify new trends, new ideas, new issues in the marketplace. And it's doing a really, really great job. I look at the interaction between this team and the fund managers, and it's exactly what you wanted to do. It's that inquisitive nature. Oh, where'd you get that from? What does that mean? Can you do it this way? And a lot of trial and error going into it, but that starts to improve the process. It starts to improve our decision making. Would this be a team that you, you're planning to strengthen? As Absolutely. A- We've, we've already been hiring in that. We'll continue to add to it. So we've talked a bit uh, before about how you, you said that not every company is the same and maybe a very big deal for Janice Henderson was the way forward, but it, it might not be the same for, for Jupiter, which is uh, a lot smaller than, than your previous company. What is your vision for the future? Well, I think there's a real role to play to be known as the truly active, high-conviction manager out there. And the fact that we're an independent firm uh, is a real strength because clients want people to want to know the firm they work for is committed to just them and working on their behalf. And our independence means that for every client they don't see as conflicted amongst other clients. I think the fact that Ever since Jupiter was set up 34 years ago, it was all about active fund managers, finding managers who really could, through their hard work, rigorous analysis, detailed assessment, come to ideas they had really strong conviction in. There's a real real world for that. I think a lot of our competitors have started to try and have diversified business models that include passive and active or move into other areas of the industry like wealth management or the private markets as well as the public markets. I'd like us to be the beacon of of managers out there that say, no, we're happy being in public markets. We're happy finding opportunities as truly active, high conviction manager. And that's what I want us to stand for. No dilution of the brand, Nothing that people walk away saying, well, hang on, I mean, I'm not sure what they stand for, that everyone says, yeah, you talk to Jupiter, they've got high conviction. They've got managers who are committed to finding opportunities in the marketplaces that over the long term will deliver for us our cl- us as clients. Um, that's what I want us to stand for. That's our strategy. And we want to be known for that in the UK, where we've already got a really strong bedrock of that. But importantly, as our European markets, our Asian markets that we've moved into over the last five or six years under Martin, 
um, we want to make sure that that brand is exported and built upon from there. So everything we do at the heart of it is making sure that we continue to prove that point, that we talk about it, that we stand up to it, we acknowledge when we're not living up to the standards we want and put our hands up to our clients and tell them what we're going to do to fix it. But at the end of the day, that's what's critical. And I think that will stand us above a lot of our competitors. I'm not saying there's not others doing the same thing, but there's fewer and fewer these days. And um, that's a great opportunity for us to stand out from the crowd. Well, we can catch up in a year and see um, how far you've gone with that. Well, Andrew, thank you very much.